You're listening to the Soldiers from Hell podcast. I'm Robert Crace. time again hello but what are we going to do this time mate i think it's time to flip it around what, what are we what are we going to flip the mattress uh we could flip the mattress flip the pancake flip the bird it doesn't really matter as long uh, as it's flipped yes i think we've kind of said we're gonna jump off from a nominated soldier to then discuss that person and whatever flows from them but we've never actually done that. We keep going the other way around, which is let's talk bollocks and eventually <laughs> we'll get to eventually, of Hell we'll think to be nominated. One that fits in roughly retrospectively with where we've been. Yeah. So that's where we want to go with the pro a reboot of sorts, probably from the next episode, I would imagine. So that's something for people to look forward to, isn't it? especially if they uh, are one of the faithful that like and or subscribe to our podcasts, which is entirely possible for them to do. Uh, the best way is Anchor. But yeah. if you go to our Anchor website, which is just anchor.fm slash SOH, then it gives you all the other ways on that page. So why wouldn't you do that? Let's keep why it simple. Would... Use that way. And if you want to do it another way, look at that first. This is a prequel episode. Let's call it, it's not it's not the phantom menace of the soldiers of hell but it's i was about to say it's the prometheus of the soldiers of hell as well and that's it's sort of just as as, as problematic isn't it really i'm trying to think of a good prequel well there isn't one is there and i think we're proving the rule here that all prequels uh, are bad <laughs> I, I think the closest i can come is a i suppose fantastic beasts was okay this is the godfather 2 because it's both prequel and sequel, because we've done a podcast before. <laughs> it's a prequel sequel. But that's what we're going to do next time. We're going to next time we're going to find someone, a hero, if you will, someone to focus on, someone we look up to, and we're going to look back through the nostalgia goggles. And we're going to use that to sort of see how what we can learn from that person and how we can implement their lessons in our life. Basically, it's a contrived way of having a title, Soldiers of Hell. Every every hero we are going to declare is a soldier of hell, whether they're good yeah. or bad. Cause... We're not really commenting on their morals as such, just whether they can teach us anything. So have you got anyone in mind for episode one? Well, do you know what? Only because this person is at the forefront of my mind because I read an article about a particular scene of a particular film that I think it's common knowledge that I love. And that person is going to be Robert Shaw. It's a good time of year to be watching Jaws. It's, oh, it's perfect time of year to be watching Jaws. I was reading an article the other day about, I'm not going to say infamous, about the famous Indianapolis monologue and just about how that was written and how Robert Shaw, I think there's a sort of urban legend that Robert Shaw wrote it himself or ad-libbed it. And it's not quite as straightforward as that. But yeah, regardless of where, the, where it came from, just the delivery in that scene, I think it is one of the most perfect scenes in cinema history, that whole sort of on the boat, the way it goes suddenly from light to dark the, the, and the intensity and the frivolous, the balance of it. And I think that is a lot of that is just down to that amazing delivery of that monologue. So I think I'm going to go with it yeah. because it, it's fresh in my mind and it's a, it's a perennial 
it's a touchstone of mine. I love it. I will I'm quite happily if if Jaws is on late at night, I don't have to watch it all the way till the end, but I will stay up at least until that bit's happened. Will you be watching the Meg? Yes, I think I will. I'm not expecting quite the same levels of dramatic um <laughs> fin- finesse from Jason Statham's no. fists. The bit in the um, trailer that I've seen is him sh- shooting something at the <laughs> shop. Chomp on this. <laughs> Not quite the same, is it? But that film has got its place in entertainment, isn't it? It's um, Sometimes you want a haunting tale of the sea. Sometimes you want to see a bold guy punch a big fish in the face. <laughs> We've all done it. <laughs> so that's that's where I that's where I'm at mentally at the moment. <laughs> well, I just wondered whether we need one each. So here's here's some random thoughts. We could jump off with our two most popular heroes, as in we talk about them all the time, James Bond and Batman. And then we've got one each. Yeah. And then that could be like episode one. Or it could be to take it back to where we first met. It could be um, Angel from Buffy the Vampire Slayer <laughs> and Fox Mulder. The only problem with that is that I don't think either of us hold Angel for Buffy the Vampire Slayer in particularly high regard. I, I didn't in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, but did you ever watch his proper series, his own series? I didn't. I did hear that it was a lot better than it probably had any right to be and in some ways better than Buffy. So the first series was all right, but better after that point. Um, and by the time it sort of comes to an end, it's uh, it's got quite a good ending. Well, that's good to know then. <laughs> so, so we could we could go down this. We could go down the double act route. So we always have to have someone each. So if you're Robert Shaw, then does that mean I have to be Hooper or Chief Brody? Well, I think it, it's well known that both Robert Shaw and Richard Dreyfus didn't get on in set, as, as did Quint and Hooper. So. I don't know. That would be a, a fitting start. But is there anything from Richard Dreyfus's bag that you you think you can learn from? Um, I can build mountains of mashed potato. <laughs> Do you know what? That helps. I'd, I'd completely forgotten that he's the lead in the, in another Spielberg film. It completely slipped my mind. And I think they are possibly two of my favourite Spielberg films. I haven't seen Close Encounters for a long time. Probably talking twenty years now. It must be at least 15 years since I've seen it. I've seen bits of it, I think, while I've been flicking through channels. I think of Closing Counters, I suppose, as just a series of iconic moments rather than a story. Because yeah. I think, from what I remember of it, it, it does flip back and forth quite a lot between a lot of plot strands. But the yeah. mashed potato scene not, is one of my yeah. favourites, I think. Are you mixing it up with Bodger and Badger? Everybody <laughs> knows. Now that's a double. Dreyfus loves. <laughs> Do you know what? I can't think of many um, Richard Dreyfus films, you know, other than Jaws and um, Close Encounters. He had a cameo in the start. Have you seen Piranha 3D? No, but now you mention it, I think I've heard that he's got a cameo in it. Yeah, right at the beginning. He's fishing on a lake when all the uh, prehistoric piranhas escape. Yeah. Poor, poor Richard uh, Dreyfus then- in many ways for that scene. If you haven't seen that, have you seen Piranha 3 Double D? I haven't, but I've appreciated the promotional material. (laughs) (laughs) I was looking at a list of of, of shark films the other day on, I think it was Rotten Tomatoes or something. 
and I've, I didn't realise how how many there are. I think it's just those top few that you sort of cream off the top that have got decent stories because it's once you get sort of Jaws out of the way and possibly the Meg because it's got a fairly unique premise so far, they all seem to fall into fairly generic monster movie material. What was the one that we watched years ago at your house? Oh, Orca Killer Whale. That was the one. Was it? We, yeah, with um, yeah. Richard Harris. It, it was yeah. just weird. Doing his best quick. He is. He's, <laughs> yeah, he's, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Harris. You, you're not up to it. Go back and prep for Dumbledore. Yeah, I can't think of any decent ones, no. really. The less said about Sharknado, the better. What, how do you feel about the fact that the next Sharknado film is the last one? Um, pretty much the same way as I felt about the penultimate <laughs> one. <laughs> Ambivalent. Uh, yeah. yeah. I've not seen them in their entirety. The main thing I like about the Sharknado films is the way they the titles become increasingly self-aware that they are milking the concept. That, yeah. Is it Sharknado 3? Oh hell no, or something. And th- the last one is called "Finally Sharknado Five: The Last One" or something like that. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, I-, I did see an article about all the things about England and London that Sharknado got wrong: the, the geography, the places, the accent. That even they weren't using the proper buildings in the right place. Just stuff like that. Just ridiculous. Is it heresy that we're even talking about Sharknado in the same podcast as George? Probably. Do you know what? I think it's the um, the difference is, and this is going to sound maybe a little bit weird, Jaws isn't really about the shark. Agreed. And that's why yeah. it's so good. It's about the people, and that's what makes it good. In the same way that I think that's what makes The Walking Dead good, because it's not really about the zombies. You know what? I've only seen the first series of that, and it feels like too much of a slog to pick it back up now. Do you know what? I'd have to agree. Having watched, I've, I haven't watched the last series. They do get a little samey. The the ser- they do shake it up a bit from about series four or five onwards. But it's very much like let's build a community, let's build a safe haven. Nothing bad is going to happen. And then the last episode, oh no, the fence has gone down and all the zombies are swarming in. And now we've got to move on to the next one. It's a little bit like that. It gets it gets better. They change it up a bit. But yeah, the the best the best episodes in, in that are about the ones that are. About the people, not the zombies. I found that now, with the exception of Game of Thrones, there aren't many American shows where I've been bothered to stay right up to the end. Most series I watch and then go, oh, a cliffhanger. I enjoyed it, but I don't think I can sit through another five years of this. I think the issue is that I think American shows tend to be, they need a hook. They're all, there's so much competition for the audience over there with the different networks and the amount of pilots that are made that they all need an interesting hook to get you in from that first episode. And they sort of they build the show around that hook, and then the storyline that that hook will support doesn't necessarily have a long lifespan. But then the show keeps getting renewed, and by the time you get to sort of series three, four at a push, the storyline and the characters and the plot no longer really are linked to that initial hook and idea, and it bears very little resemblance, perhaps, to, to what it was intended to be. So it just feels like it loses its direction a bit. Yeah. Because yeah. I remember watching The Blacklist, really good, very strong opening episode, you know, very iconic scene of, you know, David Spader going in, surrendering to the FBI, and it's like, I, I'll only talk to this person. Yeah. You're hooked, you're interested straight away. But by the time you sort of, that strand has run its thread, it just becomes a fairly generic baddie of the week thing. 
Yeah. So it, I think the problem with the the American series maybe is that they don't have the whole plot arc from the start to say, right, this is going to run for four series. This is what we want to do with it. They just keep sort of having to go, okay, but we've been renewed. Where do we go now? Speaking of American series, since I last saw you, I met one of my heroes and uh, he recorded a little soundbite for us, didn't he? He did. You're listening to the Soldiers from Hell podcast. I'm Robert Crace. There you go. That was Robert Crace. Slight mistake there. And I didn't have it in me because I'd already sort of nervously asked him to record the little soundbite. When he then said Soldiers from Hell, not of Hell, I didn't have it in me to correct him and say, can you do it again? Because, you know what, I think we used to make the same mistake. Is that the main reason we're changing the thrust of the programme so we can fit better into what he misheard? <laughs> yeah, it's all about him. Speaking of meeting famous people, have you been bombarded? You know, our, our good friend, David Pritchett, who does a... Is he a competitive podcast? I don't know. A like-minded podcast. Yeah. Yes. Let's leave it at that. Uh, he sent me a random bunch of photos the other day that about him meeting various Doctor Who-based people. I don't think he's got many of the surviving Doctors left to meet. I wonder if he got them to do little snippets. At least ask, eh? Fancy chance. You know what? I missed an opportunity. I, a couple of weekends ago, I was at a stag weekend at a music festival called Blue Dot, which I totally meant to ring you several times on that anchor-wise and just kind of go, hey, I'm at a music festival. Like when we were at a music festival once and rang our mates and annoyed them and said, why aren't you here? <laughs> I work. As I was about to ring you tonight, I looked, I realised I'd got a little sound clip in Anchor that was unpublished. I was like, oh, what's this? I don't even remember recording this. And it's just like background noise of uncle playing with the background noise of drunken people. And then it cuts <laughs> off in my drunken haze. I, I thought, I'll use this clip. <laughs> multiple reasons why why I shouldn't. But I'm going to insert that now. Uncle, everybody. (laughs) Uh, So anyway, so I was at this uh, festival and... uh, it was a comedy tent as well, and a couple of us went to try and watch Robin Ince. We couldn't actually get in. It was, there was too many people, but there was like a, a grassy a grassy knoll near, <laughs> near the tent. So we just oh, perched God, you ourselves weren't going to on... take out the competition, were you? No. Uh, we, we sort of perched ourselves on there and kind of thought, well, we, we can hear it even if we can't see him. So we sat and chilled out on the bank and had a listen to him. And then when he finished, he came out the back of the tent. And from our viewing point, we could see him. And he was chatting to the next act that was about to go on. And I could have easily, there was no one in between me and him. He was about 50 yards away. I could have easily walked over to him and done exactly the same thing. And I chose not to. So I I didn't either. I didn't. I understand where Dave's coming from if he didn't record Matt Smith or Stephen Moffat. Soldiers of Hell on tour here at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival 2018, which means I've travelled forward in time because I thought we're stuck here in 1999 now. Anyway, we can use a poetic license for that. Just seen Pete Furman, Pete Furman, the magician. He was really good. Um, thankfully, didn't get caught up on stage. 
because that would have been like three out of three for all the time I've been here. Been involved in many shows. I must have a face that basically says, me, me, pick me, I want to get involved, even though I genuinely didn't. But yeah, it's been it's been good here at the Pleasant Courtyard. Wish you could be here, Andrew. You weren't. Maybe maybe next time we'll come up together. Okay, so signing back on. Just realised how crap I've been at getting uh, little sound bites from celebs. Walk past Nish Kumar. Yes, uh, two days ago. Failed to say hello. Saw Richard Bacon about 50 metres away earlier. Didn't even say hello, even though he's just recovered from a serious illness. Now I just walked past uh, Tony Way, the actor from Game of Thrones, Zapped and Drunk Histories. So, yeah, stars. None of them seem to recognise me, though. I'm not, not, I don't know why. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm losing. I'm still winning, Andy. Robert Cray still beats anything you've, you've done yet. I don't, I don't think you've got a celebrity soundbite. I could be 4-0 up right now, but uh, it's still only 1-0. One, one anyway, I think this is the last soundbite from, uh, from the Edinburgh Fringe, and we'll see you soon. I suppose in some ways it's a bit of a... If they say no, it's like, hey, I thought you were really cool, and now actually you just... It takes the sheen off it a bit, doesn't it? I suppose why would you risk doing that? Also, I was wearing a Space Invaders outfit, so... <laughs> oh, I'm actually dressed as a Space Invader, which would have been a good opening gambit, really. I don't know why I didn't use that to my advantage. Was he moving left to right very quickly from behind, <laughs> some, behind a shrub and it just threw you? I was approaching him from above. <laughs> it was the geekiest festival I've ever been to, let's just say. It was at the John Rule Bank Telescope and there was a lot of science-based stuff going on. Someone came over to us late on the Saturday night and just randomly approached and said, do you identify as a geek or a nerd? Oh, it's funny. My, my instant reaction was, I'm sure we did a podcast about this 10 years ago. Yeah. Uh, I said, I think geek. You should have said to him, actually, I identify as non-binary. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Going back to Robert Craig as well, I, I could speak to him on a one-to-one basis because it was a book signing. And I had the opening gambit of, we do a popular culture podcast. Actually, I said, I kept saying we, and he kept saying, you keep saying we, who's the other person? <laughs> so he actually asked about you, mate. You should know that. Um, he knows who I am. Can you record something for him? I think we should do that. Like, so his next book, you open it, like, you know, them cards that sing <laughs> happy birthday. <laughs> Hi, we're Andy and Spence. You're reading Robert Craze. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I bet he would have just looked mortified if we'd have said, look, we can do the same thing for you. I've got an idea. <laughs> yeah. What we could do is go into every shop and just write a message in every one of these books. <laughs> Some people call it vandalism. We call it re- returning the favour. Uh, I was able to say to him, at least, um, that we'd inducted him into our... And then this is where it sort of let me down and I became a bit sort of tongue-tied. Like, what? How do I explain the concept of the show in less than a sentence because there's a queue of people behind me? Yeah. <laughs> said, we declare that you are a soldier of hell. Um, We've given you yes. a rank. <laughs> what? <laughs> Security. <laughs> uh, anyway, he was a lovely bloke, a very nice man. Um, he seemed it. He had, a, very, he had a, very, a good voice. Strong voice. And the, Yeah. 
I'm worried that he's got a better voice than he's going to, his snippet will outshine the rest of the podcast, if I'm honest. Well, it would definitely do that. The reason why I brought him up, though, the link was we were talking about American TV shows. Yes. Q&A session at this um, book signing. Someone asked him whether he'd ever have his novels adapted for the screen. He would rather not. And he said it's because he just, he knows the system. He used to write for American TV shows and he knows the system too well. And he said, even if they sort of gave him control, there's control and then there's control in American TV. I think that's in many ways why why Game of Thrones has been so successful. It's been given the freedom to sort of, although it follows the main plot points of the books, it was given the freedom to adapt it, streamline it without slavishly sticking to it. And, and, and they've said, okay, this is the source material, but this is how it can work better on the screen. And they've streamlined it and adapted it. And they've made it the same thing, but different. And that's why it's accessible for the screen. And it's a different yeah. entity. Yeah. So fair play to him, though, for turning down offers and stuff like that. I don't think we're any further to identifying who we're going to chat about next time. The format is we'll choose someone each for us to embody the talents of for the duration of, of a show and uh, see where that takes us. And what we can learn from that person and their example to us all. Because we met in 1999, didn't we? So yeah, pre-millennium bug. And the concept of the show in the next series will be that we're kind of stuck there on a mini disc that we, <laughs> we need... We need our heroes. The Dungeon Master to show us the way out. It's a bit <laughs> like Dungeons and Dragons. So that means our heroes have to be from pre-1999? pre, pre Yes, very much like, I like to call it the Quantum Leap approach. Ooh. That we can only time travel backwards to our own timeline. <laughs> so next time, folks, um, come prepared to listen to two guys stuck in 1999 trying to work out how to move forward with their lives, learning from the heroes that they've observed. Yes, I couldn't have put it any better than that. That's our uh, tagline. Better than chomp on this. <laughs> <laughs> there's, a, there's a title for the episode. So, uh, as Andy said at the start of the episode, uh, don't forget to subscribe if you want to keep listening to us uh, in the forthcoming series and the forthcoming episodes. Don't forget to share this because we really appreciate that. And um, any comments you can stick on iTunes are also um, good. And uh, in Anchor, you can... Why don't you be the next Robert Craze? I don't mean write a series of hit novels. You can do that if you want. But I do mean, why don't you, um, why don't you contact us through Anchor? You can leave us a voice message on Anchor and we'll put it in our podcast. Just like this one. Hello, this is Cordry uh, of the erstwhile Cordry Marshall podcast. Uh, I believe I'm now following you on Anchor. Um, I don't know uh, what to do with it, but it sounds quite fun. So uh, maybe it's going to get us back into the old podcasting vibe. What do you reckon, Marsh? Oh, no, he's not here. Uh, anyway, uh, thanks for introducing me to it and uh, do some more audio so I can listen to it and actually know what to talk about. Signing off. Over and out, and all that radio stuff. Ten four, eyeball, got a convoy, etc., etc. Bye. That would be really great. Or you can tweet us. Yeah, we're still on that thing. We're going to use that technology from the future. <laughs> so that's it. It's been good. I look forward to it. See you next time. Soldiers of Hell is a Fosgate Studios production. 
If you enjoyed it, please like, subscribe, comment and share.